Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we are broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this is WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. Now, if you want to find out a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere in the city, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. And also our older shows are up there. If you click on podcasts and archives, you can find our older shows. Again, this is uh, On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I am K.A. Owens. And we're blessed and favored to have a playwright, author, activist, former Black Panther, uh, sort of a, a do-it-all. Uh, if you, if you do it, he do it. Uh, 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 Michael T. Uh, welcome. Uh, and he also has has his own show on uh, this station, uh, uh, Community Connection. Uh, community, community Control Now. Community Control Now. Yes, indeed, that he does with Vincent Gonzalez. All right. So, welcome, Michael. Uh, welcome to you, Ka. Well, folks, the main topic of our show are. Uh, uh, going to be uh, the latest uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, but Michael, is there anything you wanted to uh, make people aware of uh, before we get to the main topic? Yes, and that is that Community Control Now is producing its own stage production um, in April of 2023. Uh a play entitled Let It Resound Loud as the Rolling Sea, Ida B. Wells in Louisville. And essentially, the play revolves around a particular moment in the great Ida B. Wells' life, you know, the anti-lyncher and suffragette and um, fighter for uh, black liberation at the turn of the 20th century and the late 19th century. Uh, she's here in Louisville, uh, which she, in actuality, did make several trips to. But in this particular place, she's here to as the keynote speaker for a major convention as part of the convention movement of black people that started back in the 1800s and continued well into the 20th century. And in the play, um, as she and some of the local activists are planning for this convention, some sinister forces opposed to black liberation are plotting to undermine the convention. And again, we're doing that in April. Uh, we begin rehearsals on this production on January the 11th at the UU Church. We're rehearsing on Wednesday evenings from 6.30 to 8 and Saturdays from uh, 12.30 to 2. And uh, we uh, still have a few parts available for those who are interested on and off stage. All right. All right. Uh, so, uh, Michael, uh, thanks for letting folks know about that. Uh, so what's your take on, uh, you know, sort of Black Panther 2, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever? And just so folks know, uh, of course, a, a Marvel comic uh, books as a 
what's known as an MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, some of the best-selling pictures in the history of the world, uh, based on Marvel comic books in the last uh, last few years, and of course Black Panther, set in the uh, fictional kingdom of Wakanda in uh, Africa, uh, and that particular comic book has been lifted up and made into very successful movies, and of course the Black Panther. Uh, originally played by the great, uh, uh, late great Chadwick Boseman, who has passed on. So, uh, Michael? Yes. Well, you know, we began this a couple of weeks ago. And uh, as I recall, uh, we were pretty thick into it at one point uh, when the show had to end. On uh, another radio show. On another, another radio show. Your other radio show. That's right. I'm getting so. your radio shows confused. But I do recall at some point we talked about the part in my review, uh, which uh, raises several political questions uh, that I saw emerging from the plot of Wakanda, uh, which is... Um, and for those who've already seen it, and I'm sure there are many in the listening audience who have. Uh, but uh, what I discerned uh, was uh, one question was, is solidarity with other oppressed communities and nations important in a world still dominated by superpower intrigues, interventions, and invasions? And... You know, for those who've seen the recent movie, um, will realize that you know um, the plot had a lot to do with a, a group of people uh, called the Tolokans who lived underwater and who were trying to unite with Wakanda against you know, bigger colonizers who were seeking control of their vital resource of vibranium. And, you know, there's a great analogy that could be made between that and what's going on in the real world. And as they say, you know, how uh, truth is stranger than fiction. We have superpowers in the real world vying for control of resources, uh, you know, and it's been going on for a long time. And... Is it necessary for all of those countries and nations who are subject to this domination to unite to overcome that? I think Rakanda raises that, but doesn't really answer it, um, I think, uh, effectively, or even understands it in the sense that uh, we see where, um, you know, despite Wakanda's struggle to hold on to their valuable natural resource, uh, a struggle that's introduced in the first Black Panther movie. I didn't get a great sense of, for most of the movie, the second movie, that there was any interest to unite with other oppressed people, which is part of the problem in the first place. Um, the inability to unite. And I was trying to unite, you know, relate that as, you know, I think any astute and conscientious person should. You know, looking at it in the context of America, you know, we have, you know, a superpower that emerged on these shores uh, through land theft and um, dispossession, uh, through exploitation of labor by bringing Africans here. And uh, one of my favorite 
historians, current historians, Gerald Horn points out that one of the best things that could have happened was that those two forces had united against the dominant powers that were coming from Europe to oppress and to uh, exploit both of us. And perhaps all of that could have been avoided. I mean, you think about there were hundreds of indigenous tribes here, and there's no way that a small group of Europeans could have actually taken over this North America, let alone South America and Central America. But, you know, as in Africa, uh, these this was a divided group of people, I mean, beset by tribalism, often fighting each other, number one. So if there had been some type of internal unity, they could have warded off the invaders themselves. Now, compound that with the African communi communities who had been brought here to labor um, uh, and to replace the indigenous economies with a slave labor economy. So keep in mind, that's why the land, the principal reason why the land was being taken to to employ or to institute slave labor, take land, use chattel slavery to promote um, imperial wealth. And Horn raises the question, um, suppose we had united, but we didn't unite. And unfortunately, uh, what happened was that, you know, with the end of the Civil War that, you know, ostensibly was uh, launched to um, end the rule of chattel slavery. It didn't start out like that, but we could say at some point its mission became that by the end of the war. But, and many African Americans need to know this, and Ryan Coogler needs to know it and everybody else, um, at the same time that um, you know they were mopping up supposedly the damage and the catastrophes that had been set in motion by the Civil War, Horn says they were recontinuing the effort to dispossess the indigenous people. And then after they finished that, they uh, set their sights on the uh, uh, Puerto Rico and yes. in the, in the Philippines. Know, the, and, outside the continent. And then continued... Uh, 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 limiting the development of South and Central America, which is resulting in the foot migration. Uh, yes, to all this connected. Now. All connected. But then now, I point out now in the back review, to the movie. Now back yes. to the movie. <coughs> yes. Back to the movie. So when you make a big budget mid, uh, picture with superheroes, there has to be a way for them to test their skills to show their power. Yeah. And so one of the you have to be careful who the villain is because you want to sell the movie all over the world. Yeah. Now, once upon a time, you could make the Chinese the, the villains, but uh, <laughs> but you want to sell the movie in China now. Yeah, so, yeah they and can't so, do that. <laughs> and so, uh, for instance, Marvel in its canon has uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the, of the Ten Rings, which presents the, the Chinese people and the people of South Asian descent with their hero, as in Black Panther would be the hero of okay. the black folks. So, mm -hmm. so it's, you know, uh, of course, uh, once upon a time, of course, uh, an easy one is to make the Russians the villain. Uh, oh, yeah, they still do that. Of, because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Stallone and Rambo, you know, he was in Afghanistan. 
but uh, most of his fighting was against the, the Russian supervillains, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so, uh, 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 so uh, who's going to be the villain? Uh, you know, in the Avengers, uh, 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 Infinity War and Endgame, uh, you had essentially the Avengers themselves fighting against uh uh you know aliens from out of out of outer space not the not the air force the army the navy and see, the again. Avengers. but hold on but the funny thing is most marvel movies are so well written that all the human elements are there all yeah. the elements of drama are there yes. all the conflicts are there man against man Man against nature, yeah. man against himself. Yeah. Uh, all the conflicts, all the human drama is there. That's mm-hmm. why people enjoy the movies. Yeah. And so, uh, and the villains are essentially stand-ins for people that, uh, uh, you know, human beings that have ex- existed in the past in our own world. That is, if you look at Hydra and Thanos, uh, 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 you know, Mass murders on a, a scale. Because uh, the funny thing is, I looked at Thanos's uh, personal weapon. Looks exactly like a lawnmower blade, but uh, I, uh, I don't know why they would design his personal weapon. But if you look at Thanos's weapon, where he holds it in, in the middle, it looks exactly like a Honda lawnmower blade. But uh, it's been it's been uh, supersized. But uh, uh, but see, that's just the point. Well, that Ka is that you know the um, the. All those elements are important in making a good movie and mm. any great art, and I don't disparage any of those mm-hmm. things. And I think that's one of the great things about even a lot of our contemporary uh, cinematic productions. But as an artist, there's a greater mission than just you know um, uh, manufacturing conflicts. And having a great villain, a great protagonist, and a great antagonist, uh, there's an expectation that art has to tell us something about our current lives. So what would you tell Ryan Coogler to do? Now, uh, but, uh, but I wanted to continue on. on that thought, though, that um, because, I mean, you know, and I found this out years ago, I mean, in many ways, uh, these cinematic productions, like any of these big blockbuster um uh, hits are our modern day myths just like the ancient myths they had an obligation to speak to what was going on in the society they sort of mirrored what was going on and that confuses a lot of people because we know a lot of that stuff you know wasn't true you know the Zeus and the Hydra headed Medusa and all like that but astute observers can read through those myths and see very relevant parallels of the societies of of that day much of what we know about the societies of that day come from the myths so the myths may not be true but that doesn't mean they're irrelevant okay let's take the modern day myths you know we no longer have the myths of Zeus people don't buy all that stuff but they're internalizing movie images these are the myths which are being confused with actual histories in people's heads you know, um, so I think it gives us a greater obligation to, for instance, in the so, movie Black Panther. So okay, if you who are Ryan, the colonizers today? So if you were Ryan Coogler and you're trying to make a big budget movie, so you want to display the martial skills of both Wakanda and and Talapan, and I might yes. I'll be mis- mispronouncing it, and so. Uh, 
And so at the end of the movie, uh, 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 Namur, uh, the leader of this uh, uh, indigenous American superpower, yeah. uh, yes, he believes that one day uh, Wakanda will need an ally. So the question is, if you were going to sit down in the meeting with Ryan Coogler, who would that enemy be? Who would that enemy be from, uh, you know, outer space or human enemies? Now, one thing you don't want—I uh, don't—you don't want the United States or Europe attacking Wakanda to get the uh, or or uh, clan to to get the uh, the vibranium. That's not a good look. So, but you could have sort of a mercenary army uh, that wasn't uh, uh, directly represented uh, by, uh, or you could have an evil multi-billionaire decide to attack and uh, build, uh, you know, like Elon uh, Musk. Mm -hmm. You could have sort of an Elon Musk Mm -hmm. type uh, put together a mercenary army to get the vibranium. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might work. Yeah, and I didn't see uh, Brother Kugler really make that clear. And, you know, you could almost see it as perhaps a cop-out because, you know, he didn't want to clearly indict the real superpowers of that day. And I think an artist, like Paul Robeson says, you know, we have to take a stand. And and now more than ever, since there are real superpowers, you know, uh, and, and this is actually a Affecting our lives and what we see and there's a case to be made that the real superpower is constantly deflecting from itself to other lesser superpowers who I'm not glorifying. I mean, you know, okay, this use using analogy uh, to the Ryan Coogler is never going to get movie get money to make a movie where Wakanda decides to subjugate the United States. So, or to subjugate Europe. So he's never going to get the budget to make that. Movie. And we don't need him to do that, but yeah. we need him. Some of us would like to see him clearly uh, put forth a vision that shows us, in some way, the kinds of real social and power dynamics going on in the world today. You know, there's a case to be made that looking at Wakanda, we would think that perhaps, okay, well, maybe Iran is our major enemy. Maybe the Russians are really the enemy. Or maybe this particular third world dictator is the enemy. And as much as we know that, you know, those are not necessarily good guys, but who is the main enemy? Again, looking at Wakanda, we get the impression that the real colonizer, the number one superpower in the world, is actually helping Wakanda. And well, it's not yes as bad as no. the Tolokans. Yes, yes, yes that and They're no. not out to take they Wakanda and person. the Tolokans' energy. Wakanda <laughs> has one person inside the CIA that's friendly to them, just one, and they saved his life. And, and I don't so, even find that credible because now I could see a rogue CIA agent, you know, which happens all the time. Which he becomes at the end of the movie through no fault of his own. Yeah, but that his supervisor is true. in the CIA, played by Julia yes. Lewis Rifus, is is clear that she is completely amoral and uh, would subjugate Tyler Clan or 
or Wakanda if she uh, if that's where her direct. And I'm not buying that, you know. And um, yeah. according to the way the movie went, she was aware of what he was doing that he would have stayed on the payroll and not would have been forced to go totally rogue by helping Wakanda. You know, if the real superpower is who she represents, why would they even allow him? to help Wakanda, knowing all along, because she says in the movie, we've been following you the whole time. We know you were helping them out and all like that. And, and again, I think it just, even though he doesn't say it explicitly, but the impression you would get is that it is Namor and his people who are the real enemies. Yes, there may be a colonizer who's threatening to I take all of our of vibranium. Audience, I think most of the audience understands that that is the conflict between Wakanda and uh, and Namor no, no is totally by accident. That is not what was intended by either. But based mainly on the inability or unwillingness of Wakanda to recognize a mutual enemy aimed at the same resource that Wakanda has, the Tolokans tell them that, look, they want the vibranium. Only you and only Wakanda and the Tolokans have this. And you see, now, now that they've created a vibranium detector, not only we are threatened, and that's why we blew the detector up and killed all the people trying to detect it, but you, Wakanda, are threatened. And you have been threatened, and thus unite. And, if, you know, you can see the parallels between... You know, that it was going on today, you know, fossil fuels, you know, and the fights going on now, you know. There are irrational warfare going on right now. If you look at Ethiopia and uh, the leader of Ethiopia who got a Nobel Peace Prize deciding to break Tigray for what reason? And then soon as he, quote unquote, breaks Tigray down and then there's the um, uh, the other some of the other big ethnic groups in uh, Ethiopia decide they want to start fighting. So what the smart move for the Tigray is say, hey, look, I'm not turning in my arms. I'm not doing anything. Because sooner or later, the National Army is going to be sidetracked with this other dispute mm. within Ethiopia that I, can, I Tigray, can make a comeback. <coughs> so uh, the leader of, uh, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, Ethiopia, mm -hmm. uh, who got a Nobel Peace Prize but decided to waste it to flush it down the toilet mm. by trying to crush the, crush the people of Tigray, the Tigrayans, yeah. right? So... In other words, this in, instead of trying to build something, that is, here he is, he's jealous of the power of Tigray in the government, mm -hmm. so he, I'm going to break them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill all these people and spend all this, uh, 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 you know, uh, influence. No, no, he should have been working with Tigray yes. to build Ethiopia up. Yeah. And all these ethnic conflicts yes. that are going on within Ethiopia, no, no you want to... You want to extinguish that without killing a whole lot of people. Read some Sun Tzu, for Christ's sake. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, so you're reading. Uh, here's the problem is what you're reading. If you're reading, uh, for instance, uh, 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 The Principles of War of Vom, of Vom Krieg by Clausewitz and mm -hmm. misunderstand it. See, that's the problem is a lot of people misunderstand yes. it. You need to read Carl uh, uh, von Clausewitz along Jeff. with Sun Tzu. Exactly, and everything else. Together. Hannibal and <laughs> you need to read them together and learn how uh, Sun Tzu talked about 
you know, winning without fighting. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, and but, again, uh, K.A. recognizing the principal contradictions in the world. I think that's one of the problems we're having even to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at, uh, you know, the wars going on now. You know, there are, I'm sure, many people who will tell you, you know, you know, the principal enemy today is, who would they say? Even black people. Oh, it's Putin. Uh, he's a principal enemy. And again, not in any Except way. Except for the conservative white people in the, uh, who like Putin. Uh, there are conservative white people in America who like Putin because Putin has sort of reclaimed uh, orthodox Christianity. Yeah, and yeah. He's homophobic and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and pre- don't or, leave or, out. Or at least he's pretending to be homophobic because he's riding. He's riding the, you know, Putin likes riding the horse with no shirt on. Yeah. Now, if that's not gay, what is Right, so yeah, yeah. So, but you know, much of that I, I see, always keep a shirt on when I ride a horse yeah. myself. But but, much, uh, but much of but these, I fully support gay rights. But uh, much of these same yeah. people who love claim they love Putin so much now were yeah. the very anti-Russians that you'd find in the fifties and sixties that came out of conservatism. They're they're they are championing Putin. Because he gave degree. up communism because now he's just another capitalist exactly. dictator. And they don't like China because China has some vestiges of socialism. Exactly. But and China it, has the most powerful or second most powerful capitalist country in the world. And, and, yeah, and that threatens, in a real sense. And yes. that threatens white people too. And they're uniting with the Russians. But like I said, if you if you went back fifty years, these same people who love the Russians who hate the Russians now um, love, uh, hate, some of them. Yes, know. who who love the Russians now, hated them then. And a lot of that hatred is just a result of the, the intra-ruling class rivalry. They're against Biden. They wanted Trump in there. So anything Biden is promoting, they are promoting. And we got to get that kind of political sophistication without losing sight of who the but principal once, enemies are. But once Putin gave up communism and became just another clever. Yeah, that's another major factor. It became just yeah. another, you know, uh, uh, you know, capitalist kleptomaniac. Yeah. Uh, then the conservatives and the business community, they like it. Yeah, but they're not opposed to imperialism. And one thing they'll never try to shed any light on, that we expect mm-hmm. our advanced artists like Ryan Coogler, you know, any artist who, you know, is trying to give us some understanding of the world, to shed some light on the constellation trying of forces. To get, get who black are the, people paid. Who black are people the get major paid big money on culprits? Yeah. Is it really Putin? Is it really Iran? Is it really some lesser country? Or does the United States stand, and I know, you know, this is provocative for a lot of folks, or does the United States stand at the top of that pyramid manipulating all of these people, you know, and their interests for the bigger interests of U.S. imperialism. I well, think we have again, to look at that. Yes, but you also look, look at the fact that without the United States, uh, uh, Ukraine would be exterminated. So, uh, literally exterminated. So, uh, But are there bigger fish to fry? Yeah. I mean, is it the responsibility of the United States to take public treasury, you know, taxpayers' money, resources— 
Ultimately, they might even if be taking the, soldiers. If you're the leader of the free world, to defend the, the money is is irrelevant. That's what the conservatives say. They, if you listen to right wing talk radio, that's all they talk about: how much money it costs to, to to support Ukraine. But see, to me, that's disingenuous because those same conservatives they don't have any problem with all the money that's going to Israel. Israel gets way more money than Ukraine gets. Uh, look what they're doing to the Palestinians. So again, like I said, uh, the, the astute artist has to pierce through those contradictions. They're not as simple as we've been told. But we do know this, I think most people could agree to this, that the biggest superpower in the world remains the United States. The United States has over 800 bases, the closest second country, despite all the talk about Russia and the Chinese, it only has like maybe 10 or 20 so who was the superpower here? Who's dropped the nuclear bombs? Who has the most weapons? You know, who dominates the world? I mean, I the United think States it's hands is, down. Hey, the United <laughs> States is Rome and United States is Rome and so folks, we're so what should Ryan Coogler do? He's trying to get black people paid. That's what he's trying yeah, to do. Yeah, and I'm not against him getting black people paid. I'm not even against him getting himself paid. I want to get paid. But I think again, the role of an artist <sighs> worth its salt. Hey, I mean, Jim if, Brown, art, if art is all about Ryan Coogler and some others getting paid, folks, this that's is, the this is on the edge with <laughs> K.A. Owens. We've been here with Michael T. and just and just remember when Jim Brown was making three the hard way, the only white people that that black folks could beat up were Italian gangsters. You couldn't beat up upper class or middle class white people, just Italian gangsters. So folks, okay. we, we come along. I'm talking about in the movies, in yes. the movies. So, okay. but folks, all right, folks, we've been here with Michael T. Uh, we'll be back with a new show next week on the edge with K.A. Owens.